It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. It's delighted now to welcome, to discuss this figures, Work and Pension Secretary Therese Coffey. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. I mean, really very worrying figures out today, up to now 2.09 million jobless uh, in the month of April, that first full month of lockdown. How worried are you about the growing unemployment rate in this country? Well, we were anticipated um, that there could be, obviously, understandably, uh, people being laid off or indeed self-employed people um, claiming universal credit for the first time who um, suddenly their orders have uh, uh, gone away. Um, but uh, the furlough scheme has been very successful in trying to keep people linked to their employer. Uh, and understandably, we want to encourage people where it's safe to do so to um, get back into work as quickly as possible. Uh, well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because we've got so many people now, 10 million people are now being paid by the government, one in three, more than one in three of the private sector. That's including two million self-employed people who've applied for government grants, totaling six billion, which Rishi Sunak, your colleague, the Chancellor, announced yesterday. Isn't part of the problem, actually, is too many people went on the furlough scheme, too many businesses closed down, far more than the government ever expected by a long shot. And actually, people have listened too much to the government advice about being scared and staying home? Well, I think that the furlough scheme was an important way of making sure instead of people um, just being laid off straight away, um, allowing them to keep that connection. It's important for employers because um, laying people off actually costs money, but also trying to recruit people costs a lot of money. So we've kept that link uh, and the government stepped in to help that uh, so that when we can get uh, the economy uh, flowing uh, much more normally, then there isn't that kind of lag of trying to get people back into the workplace. So that was an important part of the strategy in doing that. We've also helped self-employed people, as you've pointed out, um, with the grants, but also uh, access to universal credit. So we, we have stood up to the challenge of helping people in this difficult time. Clearly, we um, uh, there are still many vacancies around the country, um, but nevertheless, uh, we will be working hard with uh, cross-government to try and help people get back into work when they can. And I have to say, Julia, the whole issue of uh, the safer uh, workplaces was an important part of that, of giving confidence to both employers and employees how they can start working again in a safe environment, because uh, we're very conscious that we want to keep the transmission rate down and people need to have confidence that they will be safe at work. 
Well, whether it's people going back to work or even being able to work because they need their children back at school, I mean, many, many millions of those who have uh, got the sort of jobs where they they have to be out, uh, at, they can't just sort of sit on a laptop or do as I'm doing, working from home, um, that they, they, they're reliant on the fact that they do feel safe and that their children feel safe going back to school as well. And a lot of this is going to come down to testing and tracing. Well, it's reported today there are quite a few problems with this new test and trace app that's being trialled uh, in uh, the, on the Isle of Wight. Glitches, we're told. Um, that doesn't bode very well given that we were supposed to have testing and tracing these 18,000 human traces up and running by mid-May looking at my clock now 19th of May I reckon we're past mid-May now and then we're told start of June shouldn't we and again even that now is a question mark should we not have had this test and trace app and all the human traces that should have been up and running the entire way through certainly weeks and weeks ago to give people the reassurance that they can go back to work and send their kids back to school well, there is an element of uh, we now have the 21,000 contact tracers ready, trained. A third of those are clinical uh, healthcare professionals, uh, which is an important part of that. So that's more of your traditional uh, tracing. Of course, that had to go in hand with the testing. We've managed to significantly increase the capacity um, from where we were in effectively a standing start in mid-February. Um, and so these go in hand uh, together. The app is only one element of this. Uh, the Isle of Wight trial is still ongoing. It's really important that that pilot gives us the evidence and we have confidence before we roll it out properly. So I think it is best to get it right uh, rather than rush it on the app. But it's only one element of the tracing approach. But with all, with all due respect, it's not being rushed, is it? There are many other countries that kept up the testing and tracing uh, throughout this pandemic, and those have been the countries that have done uh, the best throughout this. Germany, South Korea, uh, Denmark, they've been sending their children back to school. But absolutely crucial is that testing is available all, you know, to anyone who needs it at any time. If one child goes into a, Denmark, a Danish school and, uh, and has symptoms, the entire school can be tested almost immediately to reassure people about whether or not it's being spread. Um, I mean, we are, with all due respect, the, the, you know, the, the best will in the world. People want to be supportive of the government going through an unprecedented pandemic, you know, and we are where we are. We must admit now that there have been mistakes made and that the testing regime is one of the crucial mistakes. Well, the testing regime is, we were there from a standing start. People might criticise that. Uh, that's, you know, that's fine for people to criticise um, but we are. Yeah, we did. We didn't have all the labs. Over. We didn't. We didn't have a yes. lot of what the, the the infrastructure that countries like Germany had. We yes. understand that. But given that's where we were, we should have done better, shouldn't we? Well, we we significantly increased the capacity. We're well over a hundred thousand um, uh, tests uh, there capacity, and we want to try and reach two hundred thousand. Um, we're in a different stage with the antibody test now which is uh, the first time we've got an antibody test that the Public Health England has approved in terms of the reliability. Um, that's, we now need to sort that out with uh, the manufacturer Roche on how we then start to deploy that. So there's different elements of the testing um, strategy which are still not in place, um, but we're close to getting that element there. So combining um, the testing for people who've got symptoms, and by the way, we added a symptom yesterday uh, based on the clinical advice that we could now add, um, whether you've got a loss of taste or a loss of smell. Um, those uh, That's much more available now to a greater part of the population. 
Uh, and so we do want to encourage people to apply for that sort of testing. And very quickly, I really hope uh, that with Roche, we'll be able to get the antibody testing underway as well. Yeah, but but again, the addition of that uh, extra official symptom of losing your sense of smell or taste, people were discussing this mid-March. I, I came down with, I'm pretty sure, the virus in mid-March. I lost my sense of taste as well. Everyone was reporting that. Why were we, we're pretty much the last country in the world to add that to the official list, list of symptoms. We, we do seem to be behind the curve again and again. Well, we've always been guided by the science. Um, um, it is up to ministers to decide to changes to policy. Uh, and that's uh, my understanding is that we finally uh, reached that conclusion uh, based on uh, the advice of Sage and the uh, clinical medical officer uh, that this, okay. we should now add this. And as the deputy CMO yesterday said, we may have missed some cases, but it's, he estimated it was maximum about 2%. Um, okay. So it's, it's something extra which people can now go and get a test for. Now, I, I know your your job as a work and pension secretary is about getting people uh, back to work wherever possible. But a lot of people who have been working throughout this or, or getting back to work still want to know if they're going to get a summer holiday this summer. Um, your colleague, Transport Secretary Grant Shapps, has said there's a possibility, it's not definite yet, that we could focus on high-risk countries without 14 days quarantine. We could have air bridges to countries with uh, lower cases of transmission, uh, such as uh, many countries in Europe, to allow us to go on summer holiday this summer. What do you re- reckon the chances are of that? I would say that we're now introducing the uh, 14-day South isolation from early uh, next month. Um, again, scientific uh, evidence before when our R rate was well over one, we made marginal difference about whether uh, at that point people coming into the country would uh, make that worse or not. Um, I think that, uh, understandably, we will always keep this under review. I think um, the, uh, my friend Grant Schatz has an important role with the aviation industry. Uh, and of course, uh, we don't want the world to so- solely close down, but it's important we take this step. Now that we've got our under one, we need to keep it under one. And so that's why we're rolling out this policy. Right. Just finally, just a quick question about Donald Trump. He says he's been taking hydroxychloroquine as a preventative measure. Um, is this official government advice here in the UK as well? Uh, no, it's not. Um, and uh, I think it's best to leave the president to have discussions with his own doctor rather than the UK government try and give him advice on that. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Online. On DAB and on the 
Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. First up, though, uh, let's talk about the number of councils, Bury and Liverpool and Hartlepool and others, who have said they're going to defy the government plans to reopen primary schools. Bury has joined Liverpool and Hartlepool uh, to say, no, we simply will not reopen our schools. Tamor Tariq is the council's lead member for children's services, schools and families, uh, and he confirmed the decision that Bury schools will stay closed, said we recognise the importance of schools reopening. We also recognise that role of getting children back to school and helping to kickstart the economy. But this needs to be done with the safety of school communities at front and centre. Well, I'm delighted to say Councillor uh, Tamor Tariq joins us right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Why do you not want to reopen the schools, uh, the primary schools in Bury? Um, I think the important point is, Julie, it's not just that I don't want to reopen the schools or Bury Council has taken the view not to reopen the schools. It's actually the ask uh, of uh, the uh, school community, and I include in that, uh, our head teachers, uh, our teaching staff, and our parent and carer community. Uh, if you don't have those important stakeholders uh, on board uh, and in support of the government's plans, uh, well, there's there's little chance of ensuring a successful uh, reopening of schools on the proposed government timescale, the 1st of June. Uh, there is little trust and confidence in the national guidance that's come out. Uh, there was little clarity in the Prime Minister's statement uh, last Sunday, uh, and there has been, unfortunately, uh, day after day, uh, credibility issues with uh, advice that's coming out of government. Uh, that's why it's caused a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of stress, certainly amongst head teachers, but also across uh, the, the teaching staff as well, amongst the teaching okay. union and, of course, amongst parents. We have taken a decision on balance that protects uh, the health and safety of our young people and of the parent and care parent and care community as well as our teaching staff. Right, okay. Terry, Tamor. Tamor, okay. Let's talk about some of what you've had to say. You're talking about stakeholders of school communities. Uh, we haven't got stakeholders. We've, we've got parents, we've got pupils, and we've got teachers. That, that, those, are the, those are the crucial people. Okay. Um, if you tell parents, it's unsafe, it's unsafe, it's unsafe, they won't want to send their children back. It's not up to the pupils because they're kids and they don't know any better and they'll do what they're darn well told. The teachers, now the teaching unions say they're opposed to this. An awful lot of teachers are quite happy to go back. The head teachers' unions are happy for children to go back numerous academies across the country are happy to go back. Do you think it's just a pure coincidence that it happens to be a bunch of left-wing Labour councils that happen to oppose a Tory government's policy on this? Is that just, is it, is there no politics involved in this at all? Well, I think that's quite hypocritical coming from you, uh, Julia. What's hypocritical? Uh, well, talking about politics, first of all, I'd ask you... What's, uh, I don't understand what's hypocritical about my question. ...to apologise this morning for labelling Berry Council as a bunch of idiots, as you did on social media. That is what I call politically motivated. Well, well what's hypocritical that we, about that? Excuse me. The decision that we took... Have you had conversations with head teachers? Have you spoken to teachers? Have you spoken to teaching unions? Have you spoken to parents, Julia? Yes, all of the above. Yes, I yes, yes, I have spoken to all of the above. Tamor, Tamor, I don't, I don't know how it works on your council, but we actually have conversations on the radio. We don't just sit and rant. They are not in support of the government's plan. Tamor. Tamor, you accuse me of being hypocritical. I'm not a hypocrite. I could be accused of many things, not a hypocrite. I said that Bury Council were a bunch of idiots for a very, very simple reason. When the medical and scientific evidence from as high up as the chief scientific advisor... I'm advisors, asking you, Julie, well, to apologise um, for your Tamor, 
How dare well, you Tamor, 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 do you see how it's really, really difficult for you to listen to me if you can't, if you're speaking over me? Um, they, if you are ignoring the medical and scientific evidence, which is very clear from very many different countries that have reopened their schools, including Sweden that had their schools open all this time, the World Health Organization chief scientist and the advice of the chief medical officer and the chief scientific officer of this country, and you're ignoring it because, oh, I'm not sure and some parents and teachers might, be, might not like it, then yeah, you're a bunch of idiots. Well, I think, Julia, it's quite hypocritical from you, to be honest. Sorry, why do you keep... Do you know what the word hypocritical means? Let me be honest. If we have managed to get your opinion that's opposite to ours, then we wholeheartedly have made the right decision. I'm convinced this morning, more than ever, that we've made the right decision. And it's a badge of honour for hypocrites like you to call out our authority. You talk about other countries. I noticed you didn't quote France. We've had over 70 cases since they reopened our schools. And yes, parents and carers are important in this. Pupils are important. Their health and safety is important. Our teachers are important. Our head teachers are important. And people on the the political argument of your uh, side uh, have... My side? What's my side? What's my Uh, side? We all know what side you're on. No, no, tell me what my side is, Tamil. You're not on the side of pupils. You're not on the side of parents. Okay, right. I'm proud to say, Barry County is... Tamor, Tamor, you're going to have to let me speak as well. Um, Otherwise, it's just you ranting and not a conversation. The fact that you think that making policy based on, oh, let's do something that Julia Hartley Brewer doesn't like, it makes it a good policy, frankly, is embarrassing and laughable. I still think you really do need to get a dictionary and find out what the word hypocritical means. But also, crucially, what I want to know is, what, what scientific and medical advice or knowledge or, or, or indeed any qualifications do you and the other councillors on Berry Council have that supersede those of the chief medical officer and the chief scientific officer of this country? I think you need to look at the facts on this, Julia. No, um, I just asked I you a specific question. Could you answer that question? I'm going to answer the question, Julia. Is that OK to give me a moment? Uh, the same uh, national scientific medical advice has also been given to the Scottish government, has also been given to the Wales government. And they have made the decision not to reopen our schools. So please, I'd appreciate it if you didn't give me a letter on the medical and scientific advice uh, that has come out. We have taken this decision in the best interest of our local community. And what I'm about the best interests of children to get an education? Are you making sure that every single school in your council area is making sure the kids are getting full on, a full school day of lessons? Because I bet you anything, if I look into the schools in your area, there'll be some of the schools that are being, the children are being failed the most because it's the teachers and the areas where you don't want to return to school that we keep seeing are the ones where the children are getting the least online help it while they're at home are you making sure every child is getting a full day of lessons right now let me be clear julia and let are you me yes or no yes or no let me use this opportunity you're the councillor in charge it's a yes or no sorry are I you get, answer the question can i answer the question yes answer it it's a yes or no are you what? making sure every child at primary school in your area is getting a full day of lessons yes or no yes they are and i'll tell you are they are well are they okay we'll check that out and I'll tell you why they are, because our teachers are amongst the hard, most hardworking professionals that I know. They are working, even though they are not in school, they are working from home remotely, monitoring the teaching and learning of each and every people. And they are working day in and day out to ensure the progress, the teaching and learning, the curriculum that they're 
pupils are following is one that's being followed at home. And I want to praise our teachers who are, even though schools are not open, they are working flat out. Our head teachers are under immense pressure. Our teaching staff, our senior leaders, they are amongst the best professionals that I know. And I've been speaking to them for the last 10 days. I spoke, I had a conference call yesterday with an advisory group of head teachers who have wholeheartedly endorsed the plans of the local authority. You talked about, Julia, scientific advice. It was Michael Gove on Sunday who said he could guarantee the health and safety of pupils and parents in schools. And later he said he couldn't and that there was an element of risk. Well, I'm no, sorry. no, no, he didn't. No, he didn't contradict himself. The there's an the element to more. There's an element of risk. In the care homes. It has not had a good record on track and trace, on testing, on PPE. And we do not have trust and confidence in the government's okay. guidance. We All made right. the right decision, Julia. There I is a risk every single day. By labelling our local authority in the way that you have. You are no, a no. disgrace. I'm I'm, just, I'm a hypocritical and I'm a disgrace. I think that when you ignore the advice of the chief medical officer, chief scientific officer of this country, and you put uh, the risk of children's education and their future lives forever at risk because of a gut feeling and a chance to attack a government because you don't like them, yeah, I think that makes you a bunch of idiots. No, I no, stand by that. that. Not the people of Bury, not the good people of Bury, just the council. In the best interest of our teachers and in the best interest of our parents. You talk okay. about government advisors. CFE advisor, uh, Usman Raymond, actually addressed, addressed the Science and Technology Select Committee to say that he didn't have uh, confidence or he didn't have plans uh, to, to, uh, to give reassurance that schools could reopen. He then had to issue a letter saying the absolute opposite. So please don't tell me that the government have got this right. They have messed up time and time again. And it's the community out there, it's the country, it's the parents and carers who day after day have less and less trust and confidence in this government. And yes, we have taken the decision because we don't have confidence in the government. And that is the right decision to take for our local community, Julia. You may not agree with it, but I say to you this morning, I am more convinced than I ever was that we have taken the right decision. Okay, are you keep, can, would it be all right if you welcome, just didn't keep repeating the same thing? We want we, Tamor, I, un, I understood what you said. Look, there's no doubt at all there have definitely been some problems with government policy. We, we, I, I speak to cabinet ministers every single day and it's I question nice them on the mistakes. Julia, okay, I'm nice speaking now. Tamor, I... I don't know whether you have an issue with women speaking or just other people speaking, but I'm speaking right now. Um, we have we, we have lots. There are lots of issues what the government has done. However, when we see all the other countries around the world that are returning their young people to school and all the evidence that young children do not or they get the infection, but they very rarely show symptoms. A tiny fraction of children uh, get serious uh, num- symptoms and even even tinier uh, are at risk of actually uh, dying from the disease. When we see there's there's no evidence in any study of any proof that any teachers are catching the disease from pupils around the world, repeated numbers of studies, do we not think that the risk to children from not being in school is far greater than the risk of children going to school and the risk to teachers? I think, Julia, to be honest, there is quite a risk uh, to pupils and to uh, teachers. Uh, That has come out in various forms uh, no, it hasn't. Uh, no, you're, you're saying, I has, think, no, the medical been, evidence is uh, clear that's not people, the case. Our young people do not understand social distancing. Um, not all schools can guarantee the fact that they can have 15 pupils in a class. Not all schools have the capacity or the space to fulfil that commitment. Uh, so in my view, yes, there is a risk to both teachers and parents coming back to school. And ultimately, we've had to take this decision uh, kind of on a balance of 
uh, education provision versus the health and safety of those in our school community. Yeah. Uh, you you realise a lot of people hosting. listening will think that from a number of things, you sounded very reasonable just then. But a lot of people listening to this, a lot of people tweeting me while we're on air, um, actually, a lot of what you said earlier about, you know, it's a badge of honour to have a policy that I disagree with and things like that, um, that actually this is something that is far more about political motivation and far more about stirring up anti-government feeling. I, I, don't hold a, I don't hold a flag for any particular party. I'm a floating voter. I just support a government when they're trying to deal with the pandemic. I criticise them when they get it wrong and I praise them when they get it right, as I think most people in this country do. Do you not think that an awful lot of people listening to this will just think Tamor Tariq is just playing politics with children's lives? I think, Julie, if you uh, look back at the announcement we made yesterday, uh, the people that matter have wholeheartedly welcomed and endorsed the position of Berry Council. And for me, that is the test. Our teachers have welcomed our decision. Our head teachers have welcomed it. Well, te- teachers getting paid full pay not to work. They've welcomed it. I'm surprised. I'm sorry. Can I just finish? Our parents and carers wholeheartedly have welcomed uh, the decision. You say that you have no political motivation. Well, then I ask you to question yourself as to why you decided to put out that comment in such a derogatory manner. Yes, you can disagree with Barry Council, as mm-hmm. I can disagree with you. But there's no way that you have it's not acceptable for you to label a whole organization that I, I can use any words that I want Tamor I think you're a bunch well, of idiots well, so can I then Juliet so can yeah. I what words so do you want to I? use we are a local authority what words do you want to use about me then come on 200 we are a local authority that represents over 200,000 people and we've taken the decision that's in the best interest of our local community it's okay. one that i stand by it's one that Berry council stands by and it's one that our school community well stands when by. you're when and you when the children to we're going to have to leave it there because we're well over time when the children the good children the good people of Tamil oh, sorry Tamil apologies of Berry uh, see the results of their children's education and they see that how much when they've lost you know effects months and months and months of education and uh, by the way the risk is still going to be there in September so I'm assuming the kids aren't going back in September either Uh, and when those qualifications they get aren't up to scratch and they can't get jobs and can't make a future for their lives then you know what I hope you remember that responsibility Across the UK online on DAB and on your smart speaker Talk Radio Right, now let's uh, turn to well, tech again being another key issue. And uh, tech is obviously a crucial aspect of how we are handing, uh, handling this pandemic. And of course, testing and tracing that app uh, and the human traces being recruited is going to be crucial as we come out of lockdown. However, a new report today from the Science and Technology Committee, the House of Commons, a cross-party group of MPs, has uh, been uh, well pretty critical of the government and called the decision to abandon mass testing back in mid-March as pivotal in a very critical report. I'm delighted to be joined by by the chair of that committee, who's actually Conservative MP for Tunbridge Wells, Greg Clark, and a former cabinet minister. Good morning to you, Greg. Good morning, Julia. Thanks for having me Thanks. on. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, and again, I mean, this this report um, it doesn't pull any punches at all, does it? It says that the testing capacity has been inadequate throughout the pandemic. There's been a lack of transparency over crucial decision making, and that it may well have been a pivotal decision to decide not to carry on with mass testing. Uh, why did you come to those conclusions? Well, we took evidence uh, over a, a number of weeks, about six weeks, from international experts uh, experts uh, in the UK, including from uh, the government chief scientific advisor and the chief medical officer. Um, and uh, the reason for doing it is that you know, through any crisis like this, there will be lessons that you can learn on the way that actually have implications for decisions that are coming down the road. And so it's important 
to be able to to squeeze out those lessons and learn from them. And one of the things that was very clear from pretty much all of the evidence that we took uh, was that we uh, we made a, a mistake in constraining our ability to, to test. We didn't have enough testing capacity uh, in the early stages of the, the pandemic. And that had two uh, problems associated with it. One was that we had to to stop testing people outside hospitals, um, and we had to limit testing uh, to within hospitals so we couldn't test people in care homes. But the second aspect was that we, we in effect, sort of blindfolded ourselves uh, about the, the spread of the pandemic in the community. Because if you don't test people, you don't know how widespread it is other than if people are sufficiently sick that they're going to hospitals. Uh, and so we lost out on valuable information as to you know, who's had it in milder form, what kinds of uh, people are susceptible to it, how it's spreading across the, the community, which could be useful now, for example, taking decisions uh, to release uh, us from lockdown. So it's important yeah. to be clear-sighted about that. And the reason it's relevant in the future is that when we deploy antibody tests to determine whether you've ever had the, the virus uh, and vaccines, the, the lesson is get ahead of demand. Don't wait for it to be needed and then start to... Uh, well, uh, this is the up. thing, isn't it? Uh, we, were told, we were told in mid-March there was no point carrying on with this testing and tracing because uh, so many people, and I, remember, I can remember very vividly the press conferences at number 10 and the, the chief medical officer and the scientific office were saying alongside the PM and others, look, you know, it's, it's already all across the country. We can't contain it anymore. It's not a few hundred people who've flown in from Wuhan or the Italian Alps. So there's no point carrying on the testing and tracing. But the chief medical officer, the, de- well, the deputy, uh, Jenny Harris, last week, let the cat out of the bag when she said, well, we couldn't continue with testing and tracing you know at, at that time because we didn't have the capacity a lot of this has come down to public health england and the capacity now you said in the report that the phe have repeatedly failed to answer questions about that decision um do you think that it's a failure by them or or, or a failure by the government again they are a government agency but they are an independent body they've been responsible for both testing and ppe uh, 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 supplies as well the two things on which we've seen perhaps the biggest failures uh, in this in this at handling. Um, can we blame what they've done on you know, lack of funding, lack of support from the government, failures of the government to take over soon enough, lack of planning? Is it is it them at fault or is it the government at fault or both? Well, we, we don't know, but to to the, the point that you've made is absolutely spot on, uh, which is that it was the the lack of capacity that then determined practice. It wasn't that um, it was that you know, that we that we would have done something, we would have tested lots of people but decided against it. Um, the evidence that we took uh, was that the, the strategy was determined by the capacity. Now, as to who and why we took that decision to have this approach of concentrating testing at first on just Public Health England labs, um, whether that was Public Health England, whether it was the Department for Health, whether it was advice, whether it was officials, or whether it was ministers, uh, we don't know. And you know, at some point there'll be the need to establish that. But the most important point now is that we have the everyone has the the, the intellectual confidence uh, to be able to to say this was not the right approach and be clear that we're not going to repeat it uh, and that we're going to do things differently 
uh, in future. That's the key point. I mean, this of, is the key the thing. Yeah, we, yeah, we know we are we are where we are. And again, a lot of the things that countries in the Southeast Asia did particularly well was because they'd had a SARS pandemic before. They'd handled it. Exactly. They knew what to do. They had these tracing systems and uh, and and everything in place. They knew they knew what to do immediately. Germany also had a huge manufacturing capacity. It had had the ability to to do a lot of these things which we didn't have. The key thing here is is not to point fingers so much as learning the lessons because as everyone in the you know, the expertise in this field has said this won't be the last pandemic we get in which case we need to know what we did right what we did wrong and make sure we're prepared for the next one that is exactly right uh, julia and that is the that's the purpose of this uh, letter it's not to uh, to seek to apportion blame it's to uh, is to squeeze out lessons that have a a direct application to the rest of the pandemic um, and uh, and if we act on them then I think we'll be doing the right thing and there are going to be mistakes made there are going to be mistakes made uh, by uh, by ministers by officials by scientists in fact it's a bit of a myth that um, that science is a kind of um, omniscient uh, yes. set of disciplines the, that get also the right. science there's there's no the science there are lots of different sciences around unfortunately well, that's exactly right. Science proceeds through disagreements, through people putting forward an idea, testing it against the evidence, other people putting forward alternative ideas and seeing which works best. So it's, it's kind of disputatious, and that's how good science makes discoveries. And so uh, whether it's in the science or whether it's in practice, we have to, as I say, have the confidence um, and to be grown up enough to recognise that when things haven't gone in the way that we predicted and hoped, that we learn the lesson that applies. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.